Hey guys, before we jump in on today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really fun promotion we are doing with our subtext group right now. When you sign up for subtext, or if you are already signed up for subtext, send me a text either when you sign up or if you're already signed up. And I have six tickets, not one, not two, not four, six tickets to Packers Seahawks this weekend, 30 yard line, beautiful view of what's going on on the field. I will pick someone, you will get the tickets. So go to subtext, find us locked on Packers, sign up, or if you're already signed up, send me a text and say, hey, I want those tickets. Let's do it. Former Kentucky standout Carrington Valentine has been a standout in his own right in training camp for the Green Bay Packers. Where did he come from and why did he fall in the draft? Jason Hershorn, America's guest and my co-founder at The Leap, joins me on today's show for a training camp version of our rookie orientation series. Let's get into it. You are locked on Packers. He's got great speed. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Christian Watson down the sideline. Locked on podcast network. And he will score. Your team every day. You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualifying candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Jason Hershorn on the show today to talk about a terrific piece that he wrote last week in The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to, uh, about Carrington Valentine, who has been one of these standouts in training camp, joint practices, the first preseason game, the second preseason game, he had some great moments, also had some not so great moments, and that has sort of marked his career. But we're talking about a guy, a multi-season starter in the SEC, and yet he with, with a nine-plus relative athletic score going late on day three, that just doesn't make any sense. So what happened? Jason's going to explain. Joining me now, he is America's guest. He is my co-founder over at The Leap, a newsletter we would love for you to subscribe to. Jason Hershorn is here for a rookie orientation series, not our normal Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekind's bit. Uh, apologies on that because I know that's a popular one. Jason, I'm really excited about this because you wrote this awesome piece last week for The Leap about Carrington Valentine, who has been one of the darlings of Packers camp so far. This is a, a question I love to ask when I had people in because of a specific piece that they wrote, what did you set out to find when you started doing the research and the reporting on this story? When you and I, and a lot of people who cover the NFL talk about the NFL draft and talk about those like day three or undrafted steals, we almost always come back to these are guys who went to small programs or had some strange circumstances. And that's why they sort of went under scattered or underdrafted or undrafted completely. And the weird thing about Carrington Valentine is he doesn't fit neatly into that box. He played his college football 
in the biggest program or the biggest uh, conference in all of college football. He was a guy who entered the draft early. He wasn't one of those guys who just did, you know, popped off as like a redshirt senior and that was it. So from that perspective, he's extremely interesting. We just don't see a lot of players like him who, I mean, he was, I think it was like 20 to 30 picks away from going completely undrafted. And, you know, we don't know what he's going to be at this point, but it it seems pretty clear from the way that he has played, from the way that the coaches discuss him, he's going to be a meaningful part of the Green Bay Packers in 2023, not just in terms of his entire career. And so that that becomes uh, the question. I think the central question is, why did he fall so far? These are the questions we're always asking when someone pops in preseason, in training camp. So to the best of what you were able to uncover, what do, what do you feel like were the biggest reasons why he didn't? I mean, this is a guy who started as a true freshman in the SEC and then continued to start. It wasn't like he started as a true freshman and then like, oh, well, no, he didn't quite live up. No, he he was the starter at Kentucky. So what happened here? Yeah, there's a multifaceted explanation for this, at least based on what I was able to learn. And some of it comes down to really him being at not the wrong program in terms of like playing and development, but being at the wrong program for an underclassman declaring for the NFL. You know, you go back and you look at the numbers. Kentucky, since the turn of the century, has only had seven underclassmen or players who played less than four years come out and get drafted. That's a very low number. It's a very low number for the SEC especially. And that number is actually even smaller than that when you consider that one of those seven players was a guy who planned to return for his final season. And then the NCAA ruled him ineligible to play. And so he declared for the supplemental draft. So you're talking about a program that by and large does not put players in the NFL as underclassmen. Otherwise they do. They have a lot of representation in the NFL. You know, Zadarius Smith, someone that Packers fans will also be familiar with, but he left early. He was a true junior when he left. He didn't use any of his extra eligibility. Like going into what ended up being his final season, he had three more years to play. And the reason why that's critical is the way the draft process works well before, you know, the media or even sometimes like the higher up decision makers are getting involved with it. You have these national scouting services. The two big ones are Blesto and National Football Scouting that do sort of like a preseason evaluation of a lot of these prospects. And when you have a player that's an underclassman that goes to a program that typically does not put underclassmen in the NFL, it is extremely possible, if not likely, and this is what my source told me, that player can go underscouted. And now based on his pre-2022 scouting report by the National Football Scouting Report, he was a preferred free agent. That's a guy who you know could get drafted at the talent as he was, someone who could go completely undrafted. But my source told me this is probably because the actual scouts just didn't think that he was going to declare. So they weren't going to you know spend some of their valuable time looking at him closely when it's just someone that they can come back the next year, the year after that. Remember, he going into 2022 had three full seasons left to play. And that can lead to a player sort of flying under the radar. And now, there are other reasons for this, but I think that's the biggest one to consider because it's very unique to him. Yeah, that that, that is an incredible fact. If if it is true that teams were just like, I don't know, he'll probably go back. And then when he didn't, okay, well, you already have 300 guys that you have to study. It can be hard to go back, even if he's just a preferred free agent, that you may not go back and study the tape as hard as you would if a, a higher profile player 
were to declare early in a way that made you go, oh, that's interesting. As you wrote in the piece, there were a couple games, and particularly this Tennessee game, where if you're going to point to, eh, I don't know about this, that would be the one, um, particularly against Jalen Hyatt, who coincidentally was reportedly, and, and according to what I had been told, someone that the Packers were very interested in as well, um, goes to the Giants, absolutely lit up Kentucky, and and may have been one of the standout performances in the wrong way for Valentine. Yeah, and this goes back to if a player is under scout, there just aren't as many eyes on him for as long as you would typically get if a player who's declaring for the draft following the season. You know, some of those high-profile games, they can have a longer-lasting impression. And if those are good, that obviously works out well for the prospect. Or in the case of Carrington Valentine, didn't work out super well for him. Now, it wasn't just Valentine in this game that played poorly for the Kentucky defense. It was the entire unit. I, I really have to stress that that game was over by halftime. Like you they gave up 44 and blame one player. It's just that it doesn't work that way. Correct. Although Valentine did have a particularly bad game. You know, Hyatt had multiple touchdowns. At least one of those was a result of what appeared to be poor positioning, a poor angle and miscommunication on the part of Valentine. So you can't totally erase his responsibility from this. But keep in mind, that was a game again with a ranked Kentucky versus the number three Tennessee Volunteers. This was one of the biggest games in the uh, that week in college football for sure and of the entire regular season. And again, teams aren't trying to say one game defines you. But if it's a player that they're not really looking at as a draft prospect because they're just not expecting him to be in the draft, and that really is their defining memory of him until he declares – you know, that's going to hold more weight than it probably should. And I think that played a role with Valentine. All right. We're going to have more on Carrington Valentine, one of the standouts of Packers training camp here on Locked on Packers in just a second. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good, period. Bird Dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and legs, giving you a truly sculpted look. I'm, I'm wearing them right now. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as something like Lululemon, but they fit way better. I should know. I went and tried on Lululemon before I got these Bird Dogs, and the Bird Dog version is so much better in, honestly, every conceivable way. It is remarkable what they were able to do with their stretch, their cloud knit fabric is what they call it, and it moves like khaki. It looks like khaki, excuse me, but stretches to give you a much slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. It is truly a work of art. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or enter promo code locked on NFL at checkout and get a free white tech hat with your order. I brought it on vacation with me. I love mine. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or promo code locked on NFL for a free white tech hat. This white tech hat, if you're watching on YouTube, you won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. And I'm going to do, I'm going to do the promo in my bird dogs tech hat because I love it so much. Thanks for making Locked on Packers your first listen every day. We will be back this week previewing the Seahawks game. Who has a lot on the line? We talked about yesterday, some of the position battles, some of the final 53 battles. That's coming up this week. We're going to do a special edition of the leap coming up this weekend on our 53-man projections. Me and Jason Hirshhorn, who you're going to hear from again right now. There was a great quote in here uh, about uh, ball production, and that's something that we've already seen from 
Carrington Valentine in a, a short amount of time for him. Um, someone who is always in position. He just plays the kind of sticky man coverage where if you throw the ball in his area, he has a chance to make a play on it. But he has this great quote. It's picks get, get you paid here. PBUs in college can take you far, but picks are the thing. And that's the standard. That's my standard. The PBUs are great, but picks are amazing. He had a pick in the Bengals preseason game, uh, nearly had one in the Patriots preseason game, but that that sticky man coverage, that physical um, part side of him is also leading to penalties as it did against the Patriots. And that, as you found, was also part of the reason why he was not considered the elite of the elite prospects. Yeah, and the picks play a role in that too. As you pointed out at the top of this, he was a full-time starter for two seasons and started as a true freshman. And throughout all that time, he had exactly one interception. That's that's a very low amount. And for, for reference in the article, I point out, you know, it wasn't like teams were just avoiding him. This wasn't like Sauce Gardner in the college football playoff where Alabama just said, why are we going to throw at this guy? He's going to be a star in the NFL. We could just throw to everybody else because it's Cincinnati and get away with it. No, he was targeted, not like, you know, an exceptional amount, but, you know, a, a pretty solid amount. Still only produced one interception. And in terms of those penalties, just his final season at Kentucky, he had five. That is a very large amount. And as we've seen from him so far in the preseason, you know, if you look at one of those PBUs in the first preseason game that the Packers played, you know, that could have been called defensive pass interference. He probably got to that Bengals receiver like a like a tick too early. Not every, not every officiating staff is going to call that. The Bengals broadcast some, pointed it out that he eh, might, might have been a little early. Yeah. So he's always going to be right on the edge of that. And that's ultimately not a bad thing as long as you end up making more positive plays than you yield negative ones. But, you know, against the Patriots, that was exploited. And this we've seen this with a lot of young corners, right? Like independent of how they play, penalties can be a big issue because they're trying to play catch up when they make mistakes. Valentine is making these mistakes not necessarily out of you know, he doesn't know what he's supposed to do and he has to just, you know, flail around and hope that it works. It's this is how he plays coverage. He's very tight on them. And you're going to have to live with some of those penalties because he's going to yield, if things go well for him, so many positive plays. The PBUs, picks, uh, we've, again, we've already seen, as you pointed out, that he's capable of making those plays. So I think that that brings us or at least uh, if you if you have more nuggets that you want to share from Kentucky, that brings us, um, at least for me anyway, to where we are with him in Green Bay right now. Because as you mentioned yesterday um, in, in in a tweet, and, and as has been reported, obviously Matt LaFleur saying Eric Stokes um, doesn't look ready to come off PUP. Well, we're, we're coming up close to where he's going to have to come off soon if we want him to play week one, or we want to expect him to play in week one. and so. That means Carrington Valentine could be their third boundary corner, could be um, their dime corner. What is what has been your impression of him in Green Bay in terms of what you think he can be from a role position right now? I think he actually can be a functional boundary corner. That's a very important distinction. Boundary corner as a rookie. And the reason why that matters is, you know, he has really good size for a corner. He's he's a hair under six feet. He has really long arms for a corner. Actually, the kind of guy that, you know, this was about a decade ago, you would have expected the Seattle Seahawks to draft just on measurables alone. Now, this guy is a phenomenal athlete for the position. You know, relative athletic score, a, a metric I know your listeners are quite familiar with, has him as 9.3. That's one of the most athletic corners 
in the NFL, not just on the Green Bay Packers. So you combine that length, that yeah, skill set, and you look at what the Packers have right now in terms of available corners. You know, Jair can play anywhere. They can play any kind of coverage. There's not something that they're going to ask him to do that he cannot do. Keyshawn Nixon is going to stick in the slot. I think that's pretty clear at this point. And Razul Douglas has played in the slot, but I think it's clear that they want to keep him on the boundary for the time being. So in those situations where they have to have four cornerbacks on the field, I think they're going to be relatively comfortable with Valentine as one of those boundary guys. Or if there's an injury, whether it's to Alexander or to Douglas, this guy's going to be the first man off the bench until Stokes comes off of PUP. And, you know, that's a really risky proposition most of the time when you're talking about a seventh round rookie. But he seems far more competent than that draft status would lead you to believe. You know, we're no one's saying that he's rookie Sam Shields, but he's someone who might play a comparably large role if there's even one injury. And, you know, it doesn't mean that he's going to be the guy who locks down that part of the secondary, but can he be functional? Can he someone that can use the boundary, take out, you know, maybe a, a second year or tertiary receiver? I think more often than not, the answer is going to be yes, based on what we've seen and how the coaches talk about it. I, I do think some of the, he's so good, you have to find a way to get him on the field. And that could mean moving Russell Douglas. I think some of that, that conversation is premature, but you know, who doesn't Matt LaFleur said, you know, we have to, we have to see if we can find ways to get him on the field. Now, I don't know if that means moving Russell Douglas, like I said, but where do you land on this uh, glut of, of players problem in, in scare quotes, right? Like it's not really a problem to have too many good players, but what do you think is the best solution there? If there is a problem? Yeah, it's not a real problem, right? It's like having too many quality offensive tackles. Another problem that the Packers allegedly have at the moment. I, I think because he's a rookie, you don't want to force him on the field in a larger role than necessary early on. You know, if this is, you know, mid-October, and he's seen some, you know, more NFL starters in real games where they're scheming up and he's holding him, he's holding his water in that situation. Then I think it's reasonable to talk about how are you going to find opportunities for him on the field, even if all the other corners, uh, corners are healthy, even if Eric Stokes is back at that point. Right now, you know, in week one, you know, it's not the most challenging opponent in the Chicago Bears who just finished with the worst record in football. But I don't think you want to force it in that situation. You know, Jair's going to be just fine wherever you put him. Rosul's going to be fine as the other boundary corner. Nixon is the slot. I, I think that's what you want to go with in the regular season opener. But again, a month from that point, two months from that point, if Valentine looks like he is not falling behind, that he is not hitting that rookie wall, I think it's a different conversation because at that point, you're not really talking about a true rookie anymore. You're talking about a guy with some real NFL reps under his belt and maybe someone who could be a very big part of this defense, not just as like a you know role player, maybe even as a starter in 2024. So at that point, I think the situation and the calculation changes. So how does Carrington Valentine fit into the future of the Green Bay Packers? Jason and I are going to discuss that coming up right after this. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You wanna be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. 
LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the quality, qualified candidates you want to talk to faster because that's all it is about finding the right people and putting them in front of you ASAP. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. Come find us on subtext. Hang out with us on subtext. Locked On Packers. It is a great time, a text-based way for you to communicate with me. I get to send you exclusive content. It is a blast. Go check us out there. Back to Jason. What about Valentine making the position change, not Russell Douglas? What do you think of that? Like, are you taking away the best traits, his ability to play press man, or some of the the instincts that he showed, the ability to play the ball when the ball is in the air, those kinds of things? Like, is it Given the the safety room that the Packers currently have, is that basically doing what Anthony Johnson Jr. did at Iowa State, but doing it in the NFL? Do you think that is is feasible for him? I think there's some key differences in those two players. Anthony Johnson played, what was it, like five, six years in college. Carrington Valentine just had three. Uh, Valentine, it's not just that he's a younger player. He has only played corner. I think it's asking a lot for a rookie to make those adjustments. They're totally different sidelines. They're totally different responsibilities. Even if some of the raw skills and athleticism could translate, I think it's probably a conversation to have at a different point. And I don't think they're going to move either one of those guys to safety, at least on the early going. But if one of those guys is going to move, you want to put the guy back there who has the most experience. You know, Razul Douglas might be the smartest individual player in that secondary, maybe on that entire defense. And that's the kind of guy who is probably going to be able to handle an Eden season position change better than a seventh round rookie, even if it's seventh round rookie that, as we've discussed, is doing far better than expected. I think the thing that makes the most sense, tell me what you think here, is everyone stays at corner this year. All of those guys that are corners and then potentially Russell Douglas, who's the older player, someone who doesn't rely on his speed anyway eventually transitioned to safety where Carrington Valentine can then pick up the slack, can become that true third boundary corner. And you, and you go from there to me, that's the, that if you're going to make a change anywhere, that would be the way to do it. Yeah. And also consider that next year, you know, they don't have any of these current safeties other than the rookie uh, Johnson on the roster, right? Like Darnell Savage will be a free agent, you know, Rudy Ford, Tarveris Moore. I mean, if, if he's going to be on the team this year, we don't know that yet. Uh, Jonathan Owens, all these guys are scheduled to hit free agency. So Douglas making the move at that point feels like a very different and and maybe safer and smarter move. Uh, But again, right now, I think it's best to leave your two top corners, two top defensive backs, probably at boundary corner where they can do the most damage to opposing offenses. Let Valentine, you know, learn as you go again, even, even if he was a first round pick. You know, it's still a lot of inexperience that you have to combat. So let him get comfortable in the position and then you can reevaluate later because maybe it'll turn out that Valentine has incredible ball skills. Maybe someone that you could actually play free safety, but you don't know that information now. Give yourself more runway. You can get more of those data points and make a smarter decision later on. Well, this is as talented as the Packers secondary has been in a while, at least in the cornerback room. Jason, thanks for sharing your insight. And... We have a special uh, leap edition of our 53-man projection coming up uh, this weekend, which I know you and I will both be a part of so people can can check out that 
and all the work that Jason does both at The Leap and elsewhere by underscore JVH on Twitter. Thanks, Jason. Thanks. I look forward to fighting about the wide receivers again. All right. Thanks to Jason for joining the show. Awesome to talk to him. No Goody LaFleur bit this year. I'm a little bit bummed about, but the timing just didn't work out. I'm, I happen to be on vacation right now. Not vacation from the show, but vacation with my family, which if you're a parent, you know, just means parenting in a different location. And in the case of Locked on Packers, it just means doing the show from a different location. I love you guys. I would never deprive you of this, this spicy training camp content uh, as we get ready for the 2023 Packers season. Back tomorrow, more on all of the battles in training camp are there are 53 man roster projections. Some of the math behind it, not not actual like four plus five equals nine. No, if they're going to are they going to keep five tight ends, four tight ends, three tight ends? How many defensive linemen? How many offensive tackles? Who, who's a lock? That's what I want to find out tomorrow. We're going to talk about who is a lock, a stone cold lock to make this roster. That is coming up tomorrow. Unlocked on Packers. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, you can do that on our YouTube page. We will be live after our game on this weekend. The Seattle Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers on YouTube. So you can stay Locked on Packers.